Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, the stars get ready to shine bright with Logie's Night Upon Us. It's official. Stan Grant has left Q&A but still manages to keep his hefty paycheck. And we go behind the scenes of the new Australian series Missing Persons Investigation to find out how producers manage to get unprecedented access. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello, lovelies. It's Rob McKnight here with another episode of TV Black Box, and I'm getting a lot of upturned faces because I tried to do something different. One of those upturned faces was TV presenter David Robbo Robinson. Hi, Robbo. Rob, good morning and good evening to everyone. Can I say uh, I had a very exciting moment uh, this week. It wasn't on television. It should have been on television. Uh, and the thing was, it was a very extroverted nose hair. And, mm. and every time I look in the rear vision mirror, I look at it and I thought, you bastard, it's happening this time. Why it wasn't broadcast, why it wasn't, you know, uh, rolling coverage, I don't know. Did you pull it know. out? I did. And then I pulled out the nose hair. Yeah. And then did you admire it, how big it was? <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. No, uh, but that's what happened. And it, it, when I pulled it, it was, it was drama. Um, it was it was humour. There were tears. It was just so much. Yeah, it had a bit Australian of pain television and then relief. There. Yeah, that's right. So Warburton and Snaithby, if you're listening, this is the kind of programming you need. Rob, <laughs> thanks, Robbo. Keep uh, <laughs> <laughs> that. Mulk is the TV uh, viewer's advocate, and he joins us again tonight. Hello, Mug. Hello, Rob. Hello, everyone. I am recording this on the land of the dark and junk people. I pay my respects to their elders past and present. I don't know what just happened. You got a nose hair, mate? I can, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at it now. I can see it. Is that your beard or is that a nose hair? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but talking about nose hairs and beards... <laughs> Abby Mickelson, how are you, mate? Jesus! <laughs> TV producer Abby Mickelson is with us. Uh, Abby, we will not be talking about your long nose hairs. We, Thank you We all so see much. it. We just don't talk about it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I am recording on Daramurugul land tonight, and I would like to pay my respects to the Aboriginal custodians of this land. Thank you very much. All right. Before we get into it this week, Malk, you're introducing a new mm. one-off segment, and it's called yeah, Apologies and the Airing of Grievances, apparently. One-off? I don't know. I think we'll let the audience decide <laughs> that, quite frankly. Oh. Uh, welcome to Apologies and Airing of Grievances. I'd like to start by making an apology. Last week, when we were talking about Australian drama, and I said that, you know, no one's making Australian drama except for the ABC and SBS, I omitted to include Foxtel because they are absolutely leaning in in making some of the mm. best Aussie drama going around. Things like The Twelve, Love Me, Upright, The End, Wentworth, of course, which Fox is now... News. I miss Wentworth. Someone got a letter. No, I didn't get a letter at all. I actually realised in listening to the episode, I went, I totally <laughs> forgot to include them because they're doing such great work. They needed to be included in that conversation. So uh, without any kind of prompt, my apologies sincerely to the entire Foxtel crew. And I know that we're going to talk about one of the powerful powerhouses behind um, commissioning some of those Aussie dramas very shortly and the role that um, they're going to be playing in the uh, the Logies this week. As far as airing of grievances goes, I just want to write the record. I did say last week that while Bay of Fires, the new drama on the ABC, premiered with 388,000 Five City Metro, and I do believe that uh, one person, particularly on the podcast panel, it might have indeed been somebody whose name rhymes with Fob McFight, um, <laughs> suggested that, oh, it's shit, and no one's watching Aussie drama. Oh. 
in the week since the first episode, <laughs> seven whole days, over 1.1 million people tuned in to watch that program. 87% uplift since its airing on the Sunday night. Now that, friends, is monster numbers and shows that people are absolutely interested in the telling of good Australian stories and leaning into places that are doing it, like the ABC. Um, it may only pull 388, as we've talked about. People aren't tuning in necessarily to watch it in the linear broadcast free-to-air manner. They're going, I'm going to bug off and watch it on ABC iView when it suits me. I'll record it on my personal video recorder device uh, and catch it that way. So 87% uplift on its linear broadcast airing to pull 1.108 million viewers seven days later. That is monster numbers for Aussie drama. Well, no one puts Baby in a corner, but Malka certainly put Bobby in the corner. Uh I liked Bob McFight as well. That was good. That's going to stick around. Thanks, <laughs> there you go. Um, Come on, Bobby. All I can say to that is fantastic news. Mm, okay? Phenomenal so, news, so right? Great stuff. Um, and it comes back to this correlation of what do broadcasters want. Is We know that Total TV plays an important part, mm-hmm. but when you look at yep. an overnight airing and it gets 387,000 or whatever it was, yes. that's not a great number. ABC iView is one of the most powerful catch-up services that we have when it comes to the free-to-air broadcast. Oh, indeed, yes. And so the most. It, it actually does make a lot of sense to me that it gets an uplift. That's an extraordinary uplift, though, and full credit to the ABC for that. I'm not going to argue with that. And oh, they also have their you, failures. Uh, are we going to have a situation like this every time I disagree with you? You're going to go and do a research for a week <laughs> later, are you? I love it. <laughs> Welcome to board. Apologies and the Airing of Grievances. <laughs> All right, that's set to become Ooh. a feature segment moving forward. But let's move on to other news because as... We have been talking about the Logies Air this week on a new channel and organisers have revealed TV industry icon Brian Walsh will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Walsh, who passed away on the 16th of March 2023, left a huge mark on the television landscape. His career, which spanned more than four decades, was characterised by his ability to drive success on a global scale, particularly with the way he revived Neighbours when it went from Channel 7 to Channel 10. Robbo, this is absolutely the right call. No one is going to disagree with Brian Walsh being inducted into the Hall of Fame, surely. Uh, well, the, the problem with the Logies is it has a presentation problem. It's got an optics problem. Um, now, Brian Walsh, obviously a great uh, pioneer for television, but absolutely not someone that should be in the Hall of Fame. There are so many what? people that should have gone. So many people. Name me one person. If we did Vox Pops now, and this is really mm-hmm. important, if we did Vox Pops now and you say to people, um, who's Brian Walsh? I'm going to say to you, nine out of ten would not know who he was. And but the tenth person... And that's reflective of Brian as a person. Because, no, it, it doesn't matter because the Logies are showbiz. The Logies are not an industry thing. Brian the Logies Walsh are about as showbiz. Close as we get to behind-the-scenes showbiz an in the thing. country. I disagree with both of you. I think there are many people that should be in the Hall of Fame long before someone like Brian. Um, I know that he did a lot of great things for television. Um, just but a couple. I don't... Just a couple. Yeah, but but he's not a name that people know. Logies you know, are Robert, not watched. You have done the impossible tonight. You put me and Mulk on the same page. And yeah, we well, are I'm in telling agreement. you though. Well, it'd be great though if you two could uh, just hush up so I could actually get my point across. But you, you guys, let me know because um, you, you're all, you're all apologies for interrupting this Robert. person. Apologies. Brian Walsh is an amazing person. While you talk, so that it makes yeah. it irrelevant. <laughs> All right, I'm going to edit this. I'm not going to edit it. Christ. I'm too, not editing I'm too, a damn I'm too important to edit it. <laughs> um, Brian Walsh has done a lot of things for television. Absolutely. Um, the Logies are an important uh, arena. They're, they're an important factor in Australian television. I think there are many other people who the audience would like to see. And remember, the audience is important to the Logies. And I'll tell you right now, the Logies and audience are polar opposites and they have been for a long time so when you when you put someone in like brian walsh you are also alienating um that viewing audience is what you need there are many 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 people i can think of two right now steve weiser one of them denise drysdale another one these are people who the audience and the viewers know so to put brian walsh in great that's fine but then you know what we're going to do next podcast we are going to talk about the fact that the logies had 
you know, really bad viewers, really bad ratings. That's the point. So you can talk about having these executives in. I'll tell you another person, actually, David Leckie, to be put into the Hall of Fame before Brian Walsh. So if you want to start talking about executives who should be put in, David Leckie to be put in there absolutely before Brian Walsh. Simple as that. But if we're going to talk about that, we need to put in people who uh, the viewers know. The Logies need viewers. The Logies need to have people watching the program. Um, Rob, if I could just uh, stop you for a moment. Um, Abby, who is Brian Walsh? <laughs> Don't do that to me. No, but, no, no, but this is, this, my, my point is it not no, to make I, you feel like I an do. idiot. Yeah. I, I'm, and sorry, that, that might have come across as that. It, no. it really wasn't meant to do that. My point is, is that the everyday viewing audience do not care and do not know who Brian Walsh is. That's the problem. So we have overlooked all of these people who are still alive and we have not put them into the Hall of Fame where we can celebrate them where, you know what, the Logies needs overflow. So the point is, so if you put Denise Dryas down in, right, so you've got this wonderful moment where you get her up on stage, um, you know, she's had a few drinks, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and then she then goes <laughs> on to the other morning shows and you've got that overflow of this is why the Logies are important, this is why TV is important. You put someone in, like Brian Walsh in, Robo, can I um, ask you a question by way of making my point? Um, yes. Should Ida Buttrose be inducted into the Logies Hall Absolutely. of Fame? Absolutely. And you know why? Because she Please. has been across television um, in a variety of formats, whether it be commercials that we know her from. So we're talking about old viewers of Logies. So, so if you're in a commercial, you can be in the Logies Hall of Fame. Now you're starting to sound like Rob. Um, so if I just finish my I point, I think Robert, you're like you're you're. Are you saying public figures should be in the Hall of Fame, not private figures? I guess he is an amazing figure. But if we're starting to go behind the scenes, then David Lecky should be one that is there. So he but was you're a, almost a, he, saying that we shouldn't do any industry awards, and producers should not be allowed to get up because we just want the pizzazz of celebrities. And this you know what? One... And you know what? You know why, Rob? And I'll tell you why. Um, because. Uh, um, the Logies need viewers. So if you're starting to put industry yeah, people and producers... The other. I, I think... Yeah, it does, yeah. it does. Because so, you know what? If I knew that Denise Drysdale was getting um, into the Hall of Fame, or if I knew that Steve Weissard was getting into the Hall of Fame, I would absolutely watch. To find out that the majority of people, and bless him, and he was great, and I'm not taking away anything of what he's earned. People are not tuning in to see Brian Walsh. Why do they know Brian Walsh over David Leckie? Okay. Yeah, but, I would argue they before don't. Before we get to... They don't, they don't. But that's my point. My overall point, though, is Denise Drysdale, Steve Weiser, Magda Shabansky, Gina oh, Riley, Jane Turner. Robert, all I agree. people should be in I the agree. Hall of Fame before this person. Robert, I agree. There is a long list of people who should be in the Logies Hall of Fame, and there is about 17 million women at the top of that list, because right now I think there's two. Um, so we're in a real kind of, you know, recognition sort of void in that regard. Um, I... I would offer, while I appreciate that you want the showbiz and glitz and glamour and people to care about the Logies, people care about the Logies. Um, I think that it is absolutely right that Australian Television's Night of Nights should pay tribute and honour people like Brian Walsh, who have done immense, immense things for the Australian yeah. TV industry. It's Just casually industry turning Neighbours into an international hit yeah. is no small feat. Being the man behind the, the what was then the Winfield Cup, Tina Turner, Simply the Best, you know, ad campaign, no small feat. The amount of drama, Aussie drama that Brian has championed, commissioned and supported, no small feat. Half of yeah. the room this Sunday night would not be in the industry if it wasn't for Brian Walsh. So I think given his sad passing earlier this year, it's completely reasonable that he posthumously gets awarded uh, or inducted into the Logies Hall of Fame. Yes, there should be more people added. Yes, we should have a list of people lining up to do it. It is up to the industry to educate viewers why people like Brian Walsh are important, and that's what this uh, it's does. It's not even about education. It's it's not about that because people don't want to be lectured watching the Logies. It is literally just about awarding great talent, which is yeah, what Brian Walsh was. this is the only chance you get to and talk about someone the, like Brian Walsh outside the confines of the industry. Yeah, but the, the point of the Logies is to recognise television talent both on screen and off screen and... TV Black Box will be at the Logies this Sunday. You, Mulk will be there asking the tough questions like, what are you wearing? No. Who are you dressed by? No. And yeah. who do you work Brian for? Don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not any one of those questions. Not any one oh, of those Mulk. questions. 
Well, then he'll ask something. I don't know. I'm trying to be funny. You know, kill the joke. That's fine. Uh, Mike will be there with more humorous moments like that on Sunday and it'll all be up on TV Black Box and we'll have a special edition of the podcast next week as we hear those fabulous interviews where he won't be asking what are you wearing, who you're dressed by, and what executive did you uh, do sexual favours to get here by. Correct. I will not be asking those questions. We look forward to that. Meanwhile... Stan Grant has decided to step away from his role as a presenter of Q&A and move to new projects with the ABC. The move comes after Grant stepped away from hosting duties after facing criticism over a panel discussion about colonialism during the King Charles's coronation. Patricia Cavellis will continue to host the program. She's been filling in for quite a while now. She'll do that for the rest of the year as well as continuing to present RN Breakfast from Tuesday to Friday. And in late breaking news, executive producer of Q&A, Erin Vincent, has also announced she is leaving after three and a half years in the role. She shared the news on Instagram saying, after 14 years at the ABC, the time has come for something new. Olivia Hill Douglas will step up as acting EP. I am going to get to the question of who should replace Stan, but here's my quick thing. Stan's decided to leave Q&A. Why is he still? Why is he allowed to say I'm now doing special projects for the ABC? Oh, for goodness sake, Rob! This is the thing. Um, this wonderful thing was, and I know I'm talking a lot, and I'll let the I don't know what their names are, but I'll let those two people talk uh, in a moment. Um, I think their mics are broken, so I'm going to t- keep talking until we get that uh, audio uh, problem fixed. Um, the problem is we've heard this before, and and famous faces have been gone to special projects, and this wonderful thing in the TV industry was um, Willoughby. You went to the cottages. Um, so we're going to put Ray, Ray Martin. He's a, in, yeah, in special project. He is literally the one choosing to step down. They're not sidelining him. No, I understand that. But special projects, all of those people have, have gone to special projects and they've gone to the, the cottages in Willoughby. Um, this is something that happens in showbiz. Um, I think it's okay. He had a rough trot there. He really did. Um, and, and he was open about that. I, I think it's great that. that the AB is going to keep. Yeah, they're going to keep him on. I think, and we talked about this on the program, you know, a couple of weeks ago, where um, possibly the ABC did not react quick enough or appropriately enough to what was happening mm-hmm. with him. Um, and I think this is a, this is a nice way of saying, look, Stan's not going to do this particular program. And Q and A, bloody hell! I mean, that's that comes with a lot. That comes with a lot of um, issues. Um, so I think it's great. I think I think that Stan should be part of the ABC. And I love that they're doing this for him. And I think this is uh, um, good stuff, a little too late, but still good stuff. Here's my mail. The government is trying to get him for the Yes campaign of The Voice. The moment he does that, he cannot be part of the ABC. You cannot be campaigning for a political issue and still be with the ABC. Now, while I actually wouldn't have a problem if the ABC did allow opinions... Uh, as the government broadcaster, there is a major backlash and they're not supposed to be voicing their opinions. He has done enough of it on the Q&A. And, so, and he also earns a lot of money on the corporate circuit, so financially he's fine. I agree with you that he was hard done by. He became the whipping boy for that colonialism issue and I think it was unfair. Um, but I do have a problem with someone being able to step away and then say, I'm doing special projects now. And hopefully this new... Uh, producer who's stepping up, Olivia, will be able to... The problem is when Tony Jones and his EP left Q&A a while, you know, all those years ago, the new team came in with Hamish McDonald and said, oh, we're not Q&A, we're Q plus A, we're doing our own thing, you know, and they destroyed what was one of the best topical talk programs in Australia and they reduced it to the pile of shit that it is now. And every week it's all about... um, How often are you watching Q&A? Sorry? How often are you watching Q&A? He's not. Not very often these so days. So how do you know it's a pile of shit? Because I just said I've been watching it now. And having said that, I love Patricia Carvellis and I'd love to see her continue with it, so that's fine. Who do you think should replace Stan and, you know, get this program back on track, Abby? I actually, I think Patricia Carvellis is great on it. I um, even saw a few clips fo- floating bell, around. Abby and I agree. Mm. <laughs> We're in a parallel world. I'm disagreeing with Robbo all night and agreeing with Malk and Abby. That's it. Cut the podcast. I'm out of here. Look at what happens when you step away from the right wing think tank that you were living in, Rob. Oh, no, no. We, ha- we almost had him there, Malk. No, 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 no. He, he's flipped away. No, hey. but there were, there, were a few cli- there were a few clips floating around this week um, 
from this week's episode that I thought Patricia Carvelis did really well in. I think I was impressed. Yeah, and she's also very good in what I saw from this week in particular at um, calling out misinformation, which I think on a show like that is really important. When you're going to air different opinions, you need someone who can say, well, actually, that's factually incorrect. And not just tell people to leave the studio if you don't like the question. Not going to comment on that one. Um, I do really, really hope Stan Grant does continue in some presenter capacity. I think it's really important. I totally understand and respect his decision. But I think especially when we look at the media diversity survey from last year, when we have 2.8% of presenters on our TV are Indigenous, and that includes NITV, so obviously that number is inflated compared to the other networks um that's an issue and so i think it's a massive shame if we lose him as a presenter not only for his skill and his knowledge and experience but also for that really important representation that he brings as well i'll tell you what if they want to fix the diversity issue they could at least bring back the big brick big mob brekkie i love that show it's only ever on two weeks a year but jesus it's a fun show Mm. fun so fun that Oh, look, quickly, I'll dive in. Everyone said the things that are important. I just want to add that... We'll uh, move on then. He's <laughs> <laughs> joking, joking, Mark. He's joking. Well, PK, PK will do a great job of Q&A. It is absolutely coming in at a hiding to nothing, and Aaron Vincent oversaw some of that. So that's a difficult sort of legacy to hold on to that. Um, I think we all need to acknowledge that Stan Grant didn't just turn up to the ABC one day and say, I'm on special projects then. That would have been a conversation with the managing director, I would assume, and possibly even the head of news. So that it's not just Stan saying, I want to do this. He may have said that to them, but they had to agree to it. So I think Stan is way too important to the ABC and an important voice in our country that the ABC should include him and allow him to do those sorts of things. Whether he gets involved in the yes vote formally or informally. Get him by project by project then. Well, but no, the, the benefit is that the project's already got a host, mate. But if they the do a project by project, it would act absolutely guys, cost them more money than keeping it effectively a retainer. I don't know that. Oh, mate, guaranteed. Guaranteed. What happens when you move to contract and you come off your 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 otherwise full time job? Your price goes uppity up. Yes. So they get him to come and do all of the projects they want him to do, and instead of having him on effectively, well, okay. you're a part of the company. We're we want you to come in and invoice this time and find out how many projects he's done between now and this time next year and do some calculations. All Does right. he have to be on screen for it to meet your requirements, Rob, or can he be a producer uh, yeah. or can he be, uh, you yeah. know, in behind-the-scenes roles? Uh, okay, if he's producing something and credited oh, on a project, I just said I don't know. Fine. Kitty, 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 big fella. You're off mic. Um, what was the name of the man oh, no. who was the old... Yeah, you are. You, 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 are, you are now. Uh, you're on mic now. What was the name of that CEO at Nine who got the, the, uh, the uh, motorbike uh, craned in? David Leakey. No, the one before that. No, oh, the one. I'm going to do a pickup. Three, two. If we're talking about Brian Walsh, Sam Chisholm is someone who should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Way How before. did we get back there? <laughs> I told you I was doing a pickup. I was doing a pickup. I'm not going all the fucking way back so you can do a pickup after your 20 minute monologue. <laughs> that's, that's probably fair, but Sam Chisholm before Brian Coming Walsh. up, Sunrise in the Morning Show, have a new home, but what do we all think about the new sets and graphics? We'll find out in just a tick. Plus, we go behind the scenes of a new Australian TV series, Missing Persons Investigation. We'll find out how producers manage to get unprecedented access, and we'll find out what everyone's been watching in the TV binge box. Well, Channel 9 is launching a brand new series soon called Missing Persons Investigation. It's a compelling obdoc that takes you behind the scenes with investigators as they search for missing people in real time. In a situation where every minute counts the access camera crews have been given, it's quite extraordinary. And to find out how the show was made, I spoke earlier to executive producer Laurie Critchley. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much for having me. 
I'm very interested in this production and the access you have because I'm intrigued. Do you recreate or do you have camera crews standing by to be able to film as this is taking place? We're obviously not there when the phone call comes in. Mm. Um, so we're reliant on that call coming in and being recorded, and which it is. So from that point, we try to join the story as quickly as possible. And what's been extraordinary is um, we've worked really closely with police, as you know, all over Australia. Hasn't been the easiest show to pull together <laughs> in that sense. Um, but... What has been remarkable is that we have tried to respond as quickly as possible once those calls come in and it looks like there's a story that we can start to follow. And look, I've only seen episode one, but I'm so intrigued by it. And look, the storytelling's great, but to me, the access is what's key here. Uh, the access you've got to the detectives, the people trying to find these missing people, it's extraordinary. Thank you. I'm, you know, it. We worked very hard on that access. This show has been a long time in the making, um, and it started with several conversations, which were facilitated through the National Missing Persons Coordination Centre, which is run by the AFP in Canberra, and uh, they have been really instrumental in this because they work with missing persons units um, and detectives all over Australia. And then those organisations then work with local police at the front line. So there were, there was a lot of conversations and discussions that were had long before the cameras came out. Mm, um, I bet. Uh, to, to, yeah, to, to talk about why this show and what the value of it was and why we should be doing it. It was really important to us that we did it as a national show. And it was probably important to police too because, you know, they're doing a job. They're not there to be filmed. So we really, really appreciated how much access we got because we are an imposition. There's no question about that when you have, you know, also a film crew around when you're actually doing your work. Um, so in a way, we tried to spread the load on police by being in different um, parts of the country at different times. Um, so that was always part of the strategy um, was to not overload any one particular part of the country, but also just to show that this goes on around the country on a daily basis. And really, all we've been able to show is the tip of the iceberg. You know? Well, it's in um, interesting you say yeah. that because the synopsis for this show says every eight minutes someone in Australia goes missing. And I, because I was thinking from the production point of view, how, how you do it, do you have cameras <laughs> on standby in every state? But obviously... <laughs> I assume you're going to a city and waiting for that call and then going to another city and waiting for that call. Well, we had some we had some terrific producers who made themselves available at different times and you never knew when the iron would strike. And sometimes mm. we missed things because we weren't there at a particular time. But for the fact that someone goes missing every eight minutes, there's a lot of pieces that have to pull it, fall into place for each story to be told. Um, and that included having the access to very particular police who were happy to have us there, but also, and huge credit to them, to families who were also willing to mm. engage with us um, because it's a really sensitive, traumatic time for families and we really wanted to tell this story from both perspectives. Well, see, that's one of the things I found intriguing about the series as well, is that as this is unfolding, you're literally talking to family members who don't know what's happened to their loved ones. Um, the first one is a mother whose daughter has gone missing and, and they hadn't been in contact for a few months. But the other one is a wife whose husband has gone missing, an older gentleman, and mm. there's rising floodwaters and you're able to get these people to talk to you at the same time. Extraordinary. Um, well, it's it's really important to us um, one of the important things about the show was to try and give people the understanding that it's very, things feel very pat in retrospect, don't they, you know, and fairly safe in retrospect. And it was really important to to us in the storytelling for people to understand that there are no guaranteed outcomes mm. and to show that and to show the diversity of that um, and the amount of hard work that goes in um, to 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 tell those stories but 
yeah it, it was of you know the people to really credit here are both you know the people all the people on the front line the police and the detectives who do you know who do this work and the families who um who you know are there waiting for for news on their loved ones and and willing to share what that experience is like because the reality is you know missing somebody going missing can happen to any one of us at any time and i think that's that's part of the the you know the reason for this show is that you never know when something like this could strike and it does strike out of the blue and it and it comes to it it could happen to anyone look i obviously see a lot of screeners but this one really had me enthralled <laughs> as to what was going to happen next and it's interesting what you say that not every outcome is guaranteed it is not one of those shows where you've only chosen stories where it's always a happy ending yeah the, there's a diversity and um hopefully there are enough cases where people are found um mm. and time is obviously critical in that um i'm hoping there are also cases where our presence helps families and helps police find missing loved ones um but but no outcome is guaranteed and i and i thought uh, it was very important to us that that diversity was recognized um in the in in what can possibly unfold uh, and how because it's very Channel easy in retrospect to feel to, to feel you know oh that's obviously that's going to happen but there's nothing ever nothing yeah. nothing ever obvious about it absolutely and we wanted to give people that experience because we felt that was the most genuine experience of hmm. of what of what some of what missing persons and missing persons police and detective work is really like it's a fantastic series and it goes against the reality norms of of stripped programming. How have you found Channel 9 and how is that um, collaboration working? They've been fantastic. Um, <laughs> they've been great to work with. I, I love working with them and they've been incredibly patient because this has been a big show to pull together for a lot of reasons. Um, you've talked about the difficulty of access. Mm. Um and that was a sensitive issue and not everyone was ready or we'd start stories and, and sometimes things would change. So there were never any sort of guaranteed outcomes for us as filmmakers either. So that was challenging um, and for police. Uh, there was also, you know, and, the, and Nine have, were terrific about, about that. We also had a year last year where police, you know, not only had missing persons work, they had floods in Lis you know, in New South Wales. Mm floods as we noted in victoria <laughs> i think even wa flooded at one point so there was that process as well and certain stories have taken longer to play out others are resolved much more quickly so balancing timelines and time frames and looking for diversity we didn't want to tell the same story every time mm. um so it has been it's been a but i think by the scale of things quite a long production and um and nine are to be you know really thanked for and you know and commended for for putting in the time to allow this and also you know we had the support for this series of screen australia uh screen queensland especially who you know who made it possible for us to do this kind of show for the nine network which was terrific that's oh, fantastic and genuinely i look forward to more episodes <laughs> uh, next year um this is great tv laurie critchley thank you for joining us on tv black box you're very welcome and thank you. And thank you for your kind words. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. As people who know me, Laurie, will say, I don't bullshit. If I don't like it, I won't say I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I super appreciate that. So thank you very much. And Missing Persons Investigation is coming soon to nine. Keep an eye out for that one. Seriously, guys, this show, mm. I don't, have you seen it, Mark? Have you watched the preview episode? No? I haven't had the chance yet, Rob, no. Right. It is amazing the access they've got. Like, seriously, they're with investigators around the country as they're searching. Yep. As the call comes through, the missing person, you know, the call comes in, they're trying to find it, and you see the tactics they use. If you love Hunted, you're going to mm. love this because it's real. It's not okay, faked Okay, good. Up. I was going to say I hate Hunted because it's so fake. Yeah, well, no, no. It, it is real, real. It real. This is Obdoc really real, is. guys. Coming soon to nine. Hopefully nine hey, are on a winner, Bob. Team... Sunrise in the Morning Show, they've mm. made the move to Media City and have mm. a brand new set and graphics. Mm. Mulk, do you like what you've seen? Wow. Um, 
not really. Can I say really? I'm kind of warming to it, but not really. Warming uh, th- there's is some, there's some very warm. The screen, the screen behind it. the presenters is far too distracting. Uh, whether it's the, the focal length of the camera or how far the screen is behind them or whatever it is, it, it, the resolution of it's not right. Something about it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And and I acknowledge that it will take some getting used to for me. I enjoyed when they had sort of the streetscape of Martin Place behind them. Sure. Mm-hmm. And now it's just, it, it has the sterility of a studio. I get all the benefits. I'm all with it. I understand, blah, blah, blah. It just feels like it's lost some of the energy from it. The on-screen graphics beautiful. package. The, and it might in the studio look amazing on screen who cares it, it like it's no, no, not a, a i'm referring to on screen because that's what it's all about the the graphics package they've clearly updated at least the colors or tidied up the sunrise logo a little bit uh it's very you know, I orange said it was an evolution not a revolution very orange and very overly oh. orange um the, they've changed even the, the strap down the bottom the clock is almost impossible to read from you know a half decent view away from the screen which yeah. for people man. who are casual viewers of, viewers of breakfast television, you're looking at the clock all the time. That's often the thing that you're using to take as your cue to go, I've got to go or I've got to be at work or kids to school or whatever. So they've minimized mm. it to a really small font. It's hard to see. Um, and the this orange... It's interesting because, yeah, I didn't... That wasn't my takeaway. I, I actually saw the clock, but I've been watching it on the big TV. Sure. I haven't been watching it on a computer screen. Although... Yeah. I oh, we watched it on our, I don't know, maybe it was a, a, a 26, 28-inch TV that's in our, near our kitchen, and where before you could spot the time and go, right, I'm ready to go, it was near impossible. You had to walk over to the TV to see it. Um, is that because of the changes you need to get used to where it is, so it becomes second nature? No, it's about in the same-ish. Well, no, it's in, it's in a totally different place, but even still, knowing where it is, like you only have to eyeball it once to go, oh, it's there, mm, mm. but then to go, oh, hang on, I actually have to... It's not even a glasses thing. It's just heaps smaller and in the bottom right corner of the screen. It's, it's, a, it's a look and feel thing. And also some of the white on orange and colours on colours stuff with all of the orange in the background is just too much. It's too overwhelming uh, and it washes out the colour scheme. Yeah, I agree. But Mocky, I, I haven't seen it, but I agree with you. If you're going to put the clock somewhere, it needs to stay the same as it always has been. And I think that's really important. Sorry, because... I don't think you can say I agree with Monk, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> I don't think you can do that. Okay, well, uh, we're on TV, it's showbiz. Mock, I've seen the cock, um, and I think the cock should always be where no, it should be. I'm right? what you said in. You can't, you no, can't. no, I, I just changed it to clock, but to cock. Um, but look, my point is though, I, I agree saw with Mock. Mock is a viewer's advocate, and I'm a viewer occasionally. Australian television is rubbish now, but um, but he's sure. the uh, the viewer's advocate. I think that if I you've got the clock, I can't believe you there, haven't seen this. It's been on air for three days as we record this episode. I only watch TV shows that I'm on. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> so you're not watching TV anymore? <laughs> yes, no, I'm not. No. no, I'm watching YouTube, though. Is that the same? I'll bet you are. I'll bet yeah. you are. <laughs> Abby, have you seen the new set and graphics that I, I'm in the minority? I love them. I think it's been a I great evolution. I don't hate them. I'm, I'm, I like, And any mm. change takes getting used to. Yeah. It does look very American <laughs> to me, and I don't know why. So I was watching. Is that a problem? No, not really, I guess. But so, like, to me, it's lost the point of difference that Sunrise had. And I know it's not their fault that they now don't have the modern place background, but that is what I associate with Sunrise, and that is what I loved about that set. And I just, yeah. So, like, again, I know it's not their fault, but I do think it's a shame they've lost that. And I just, in the, like, studio tour that Barrett's did, it just, yeah, it was very American. I agree mm. with Malk. Very orange and yellow. Like, mm. just quite intense to watch. Very bright. Um, yeah, I didn't hate it. It'll take getting used to, but I didn't love it either. Yeah, and I want to reinforce that. That's, like, my impression after three days, right? Of course, it yeah. will ju- I'll just adapt and get used to that. The 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 overall colour palette of heavy yellow-orange needs some working on because mm. with so much orange on the screen in the background and then the orange in the strap line ticker along the bottom and the rest of it, it just starts to blend and blur and who gives up? Like it's too hard to see bits. And Well, you know what? You often find with these things, Mark, that changes are made once they get the feedback oh, from sure. viewers and mm. industry people and you never really know what it's like until you go to air. Personally, I like it, but Robbo, you've got some thoughts about the package you haven't seen? <laughs> <laughs> Which package? I've seen Brett's package. No, just kidding. Brett, I know you're a long-time listener. 
Love you. Um, um, so, Rob, Jesus. you and I were lucky enough to work at Epping, and I think Epping is a really important, mm. wonderful place. I Should still Epping think be in the Hall of Fame? One hundred. Can I say tell you something? Absolutely. You know why? Because more people have been to Epping and more people knew about Epping than they did about Brian Walsh. I'll tell you right now, oh Brian Walsh did, a, a, did Brian, Wait, this is important. Brian Walsh did amazing things, but Epping was was somewhere where you Mark. went. Adam Boland, Adam Boland went to um, Epping. You went to Epping. I went to Epping. You and I and Adam Boland done? were lucky enough to work at Epping, and Epping was an amazing place. Epping should have been um, put into some kind of um, heritage-listed site. The, you know, the sad thing is... The sad thing is, is that in that place on Mobs Lane, um, you only have now what's called Seven Street, which I think is absolute travesty. The important thing here is, um, Rob, you were lucky enough to work at Epping. It was a wonderful place. Um, We were also, both of us, lucky enough to work at Martin Place, um, which was also amazing because it was just that next step, that that huge step for Australian television to bring bring television, to bring a brand, exactly, into uh well to see where, where people more, more people could see it um mm. you've been lucky enough to be at redfern um as it's been right to some how do you i'm going to pick this up it's still redfern i don't care what everly says it's Literally in the big sign says yeah, south everly in everly i'm loving this from robo tonight and everybody's learning how to spell everly they keep putting r's in it it doesn't have an r in it and it literally was having this conversation today you know what has an r in it Redfern. Anyway, I'll pick it up. <laughs> In three, what are you picking up? Two. That's a. You've been lucky enough to as uh, we've both been lucky enough to be at Epping, Martin Place, but you've also seen Seven move into their their third home, really, and this is their third home in almost seventy years. What's it like to to see it? What's the branding like? How, does it feel like a TV studio? Because Martin Place always had a little bit of uh, a feel for me, anyway, that it was. More of an office than a TV studio, and I and I think that comes from going from Epping, which was absolutely we, we you know uh, a country practice, home and away, All Saints, you know, all of that stuff was filmed there. Wheel of Fortune. We then went to an office in the middle of the city that only had that kind of one studio. What's it like to be there, and does it feel more like a TV studio, or is this the future? I, I tell you what, it does feel like. It feels like a a company altogether again. So look, the studios are on level two. Okay, so. When you get in the elevator and you're going to your other floors, you don't know that the studios are there doing their thing. Like, really, they because only people that have got business down at the studios will be down at the studios. But what you do have on level five is your newsroom floor with Spotlight, the news, and Sunrise and the morning show. And there is a buzz on that floor now. Since the cool. team moved in over the weekend, it, it you know, you're just seeing so many familiar faces and a lot of people. Um, but Seven has a lot of creative people on all the levels. The executive level is actually on level seven, which is, I think, just beautiful planning. But yeah. does it feel like a TV station? Well, you know, like at Epping, the, the studios were all around you. Like, seriously, to get to one end of the building, to the so other, you had to almost go through the rabbit warren to Correct. get to a That's studio. Right. Yeah. At Channel 9 in Willoughby, the studios were right, right next to reception. So, you, yes. you know, they, they were sort of there. But in all honesty, yeah, you could work in this building and not realise there's a TV studio in yeah. there. But you do have master control on level five. But if you're on the other That's levels, awesome. there's, there's a lot of TVs everywhere. Sure. Right? They're yeah. showing constantly showing what's going on and you're seeing studio outputs and all this kind of stuff. Sure. Um, it's got a good vibe. Does it yeah. feel like a TV studio? I think level five feels like a TV studio and and. I think seven, but then you've got sales and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I well, that, really that, don't know that, how to answer this question. That, that, but that's the future, though, isn't it? And also, um, what level um, is responsible for Million Dollar Island? Because uh, I hope you don't put creative and that floor in the same sentence because that was an awful <laughs> show and should never have been commissioned. Anyway, um, Uncle Warburton, thanks for listening. <laughs> hey, Robbo, should Kerry Packer be in the Hall of Fame? What? <laughs> Don't, don't, don't. Oh, don't. Rob Smog. Do not get me started. No, no, no. Hold on. Uh, absolutely. Oh Before Brian Walsh, Kerry Packer, and I'm, oh. I'm sorry that I didn't it, it didn't realise thing. Kerry Packer should absolutely, before Brian Walsh, again, Brian Walsh did amazing things. Kerry Packer <laughs> is the reason that the Nine Network was still one for all of those years. Kerry I Packer do agree. Is, Packer should be in the Hall of Fame. I agree with way that. Way before but Brian Walsh. I don't Walsh. think it doesn't mean Brian Walsh can't be. 
He can't be, no, no, he can't be at this point. But can you imagine, oh, my God, the package, you know, Kerry Packer talking um, to Parkey, uh, you know, Kerry Packer talking to Bert Newton, all of these amazing packages. That Kerry is Packer a man in Parliament. who is one, that, that wonderful thing. Um, and I actually stole his line once um, when I got accused of using too many cap charges on Studio 10. And I said that um, people who don't do that should have their, their heads read. And I took it from that actual... That actual and thing. I am moving on because it looks like Netflix's big password crackdown is producing positive results for the global streaming service. Subscriptions have climbed 6 million since the crackdown to a total of 238 million and a profit of 1.5 billion in the last quarter. Now look, revenue came in lower than expected with the company reporting 12 billion Australian in sales. It's still pretty good. Um... Robbo, I am surprised the password sharing crackdown has been so successful. This is good news for the streamer. Netflix, though, is at the heart of the SAG and the WAG or the DAG or the GAG. What's the other? The, the, the writers WGA, one? Writers Guild. WAG. So WAG no, and SAG. WGA. It's not WAG. WGA. 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 Okay, so oh, you can't say that. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no, you absolute guys, no. I'm going to say SAG and WGA. You can't say WGA. Um, now, um, this is important though because great they got this massive uh, this massive profit, but they're at the forefront of buying these shows. So I think we talked at this last program where um, Pam's original boyfriend in the office he he called himself a blue collar actor, and he's saying that the, the sh- that, that companies like Netflix buy up the office from NBC Universal. Um, they don't get any um, you know residuals from that, and that's really important. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about Netflix cracking down on passwords. That's fantastic. But the people who actually make our content, the people who are on screen, behind screen, you know, behind the laptop, that's where the problem is. So I have a problem with with, with Netflix saying, well, we're cracking down on passwords. We've got 12 billion. Who gives a shit? You're not paying the people who we want to see, you are. Yeah, assholes. if you're making all this extra money, then share it around. Correct. Mm. I will actually say, Robbo, a very good point. Mm. You are on fire tonight. Abby, uh, have you given Daddy back his password? I haven't, and I haven't had to. No, I, I've been waiting for the day that I sign into Netflix and it tells me I'm not allowed. And in all honesty, I, I was not going to make a new Netflix account because I just am, I, yeah, I don't want to Same. do it. I, Yes, I object to it on principle. Yep. yep. I don't like it. So I was going to be done with Netflix. You object to it on principle that they're actually saying if you want to use the service outside the house that's paying for it, you should have to pay. Yes, because you're limited to how, it's not as if you can make a Netflix account and give it to a thousand people anyway. We should be able to have a family Netflix account that I can share with my parents. And so yeah, I, will, I haven't I seen that in make... a bill of rights anywhere. That well, that's should... the Abbey Bill of Rights, and right. I was not. Yeah, I wasn't going to make a new account. I was going to call it done with Netflix. But I actually haven't. It's still letting me. So I don't know if there's some glitch or I've been missed or whatever. But so I'm still happy about that. And I am surprised that so many people made new Netflix accounts, especially when there's so many other options that don't have these strict rules. All right, let's open up the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Mulky. Did you have something to say on this? Oh, I was just going to ask Robbo if someone else should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's why I didn't come to you. Uh, <laughs> well, well, let me tell you. Uh, oh, no, actually, no, no, no. I'll tell you right now, actually. Oh, my this is God. Part of my, no, no. This is me, Agro Puppet. And, again, I'm going with what I was doing last week where I can't watch Australian television, but I will give you a bit of show and tell. My Agro mm-hmm. Puppet. Jamie Dunn should be in the Hall he of Fame. He should be. I agree with that. There's no question about that. I, I think that Jamie Dunn. To be in the Hall of Fame way before uh, Brian Walsh. Again, very important man. I, I, I think we know you. that your feelings are the cleaner who mopped the floors for <laughs> 17 years at Channel 7 should be in the Logies hey, Robo, Hall of Fame before Brian Walsh. Should, we, should we Abigail be in the Logies Hall of Fame? It's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Abby, what have you been watching? Both of mine are somewhat related because... They've both just, oh, like brought me this overwhelming joy in the past week. So the first one is the FIFA Women's World Cup, which I do not like sport. Anyone who knows me knows I do not like sport. But I decided to watch the first game because New Zealand were playing and I was like, this will be fun. It was so good and it may, it has given me this whole new appreciation for women's sports. Like the captains hugged each other before the game and like in men's sports they just beat Gross. each other up. So I was... See, 
you've got to stop with this stereotypical stuff because there are plenty oh, of occasions geez. where men playing against each other have had a hug and done a good on you. Yes, it gets competitive. So does women's sport. This is nothing wrong with being competitive. I just really like the atmosphere. Great, you know, did good ratings. Why does it have to come to that? Because women's sports is something that's really underappreciated and under-celebrated, and so I've really enjoyed watching it be at the forefront this week. Which is fine. Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with that. Okay, great. Happy days. Good. Um, Optus Sport (laughs) is stupidly expensive, I will say, although I did buy my subscription, so I guess they won in that. But it is Mm. ridiculous, and I will be unsubscribing as soon as the World Cup is over. Um, And the other one I watched was, I've forgotten it. Oh, Barbie. Oh, my God, Barbie. (laughs) So, so really made it really made an impact. That I, that is a point, Robbo, that I'm about to make Oops. because, and no one interrupt me here because I have a whole spiel. So uh-uh. when I saw Barbie, I had a good time. I was like, this was fun. The experience right. was fun. Everyone had a good time. All like all the people in the cinema were complimenting each other's pink outfits. It was like a really good vibe, really fun. And I was like, that movie was good, but it didn't blow me away. I was just like, that was really fun. I had a good time. Then I went home and in the days following have watched maybe like a thousand TikToks, have read like 50 articles all about Barbie, like breaking down all this stuff that like I didn't think about in the movie. And I am now obsessed. I'm going to see it again tomorrow. I've been like super emotional about it all week. It was just, and the, oh my God, I like, I don't even know where to start with it. It just was this like, experience of this portrayal of women's experiences that I have never seen in a movie before. It was super just validating and like bonding. I feel very like bonded to everyone now. And I was watching this TikTok that put it really well. It was actually talking about the World Cup as well. It said like with the World Cup, with Barbie, with like even the Taylor Swift tour and the friendship bracelets and stuff. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the first time in our lifetimes or in my lifetime at least that being a girl is like being celebrated and it's a really exciting Mm. thing. And we're not having to like repress or hide things that are quote unquote girly because we're going to get made fun of for it. And so Mm. for the first time, like being a girl isn't a negative thing and Mm. Oh my God, I'm getting a little bit emotional about it. Look, I'm sorry that women have felt that being a girl is a negative thing. Like Uh genuinely, I, I, I I, I think that's Uh horrible that Uh you've gone through that. Uh Um, Trigger warning. What? Yeah. (laughs) I'm being serious. I'm waiting for the part. No, no, the only but I have here is that I'm I'm concerned that your enjoyment of this movie is retrospective. Uh-oh. Like, you went in, you watched a piece of entertainment, which I loved, by the way. I came out thinking, what a great movie. I saw it with my, my daughter turned 13. We took her and her girlfriends to the movie. They all loved it. I loved it. But I loved it. But you're mm. saying you saw the movie, thought it was okay, but you're enjoying it because of the reaction of other people. No, not the reaction of other people because it's made me think about things that I didn't. So Mm. there is a very surface level to the movie that anyone who watches the movie will get. I got it. It then goes. I don't think it's a subtle message. No, 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 but there is a lot of stuff that respectfully you wouldn't have understood. You just wouldn't have, and you wouldn't have picked up on. Sorry, I'm so sorry you're the expert on the female experience. Fuck, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry. not saying I am, but I think it's just, I think it's a hell of a thing to say that you're deciding what you have understood and haven't. But play okay. your hand. Go on. There is. There are so many layers to this movie, and I would say on my first watch, I picked up on maybe the first three layers, and there are many, many more layers underneath that. And even just, like, there were jokes in the movie that, were hilarious and spoke to me and knowing that they spoke to so many other women that like I didn't know this was a universal experience of women has just been like a very bonding and like I like this thing I love it I I, I, I like that and I think it's okay if you appreciate art more after you watch it like after you've thought about it and processed it I think that's fine I don't think that is anything against the movie I think this is important, and I think that this, in a viewing experience, when um, and Mel Brooks, who is the amazing director of Spaceballs and um, all of those other films. Should um, he be in the Logies Hall of Fame? <laughs> uh, I'll get back to you. Um, but he made a point of saying that uh, what, what, what's sad now, and I'm, I, I'm following on your point here, Abby, is that you used to go and experience something and laugh with 100 other people mm. in a film. So the fact that you still had that experience in 2023, I think it's really mm. important and really special. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what he was saying. And that was his whole point. He goes, Amazon's making money, Apple's making money, all that kind of thing. 
But in the old days, you'd, you'd, you'd pay your money and you'd be in a room with other people who shared that experience. I mm. think that's really quite important and quite special. There were a special. lot of people out at the cinemas this weekend. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Friday night. My other favourite thing, my other favourite thing, and this is directed at Rob McKnight, is that it has made the go woke, go broke crowd really, really quiet because this is one of the biggest movies ever. So, Except for the usual you know jerks what? who would come out and no, freak no, no, out about no, it anyway. Because <laughs> it's a oh. bloody good movie. So yes. here's the problem. Ask, ask Things can the mates... be woke and be good. It's yeah, no, no, no. yeah, which is true. But the problem is, most of the times, most of the times, that's my new ringtone. Make, Rob saying yes, it's make, true. People make creative decisions based on wokeness, and rather than the creative, right? So, in your opinion, of this film had hmm. a vision. And yes, there's. You could argue there's a lot of wokeness in this about it's feminism. Probably the wokest movie I've ever seen in my entire uh, life, see, and I, I mean that as a compliment. Movie is woke. I oh, don't I can't think wait to it see is it. Woke. Right? Well, I think it's just a bloody good movie that has a great message. But, but if you didn't like it, if you didn't like it, Happy you would think feet. it was woke. Happy well, feet. What the fuck? Two thousand seven called Rob. <laughs> Robo, should, should, are you there, mate? Should Happy Feet no, be no. in the Logies Hall of Fame? Well, it depends what penguin it is. If it's a Channel please, Seven please, penguin, please. no. But Abby, my point here is that what came first with this movie was a great creative, a great mm. vision, right? Mm. And so it didn't just say we're going to make a feminist movie, right? It took an icon and it had fun with it. I mean, one of the best lines in the movie was when Helen. Spoilers, Mirren Rob. Spoilers. Said, if People might not have seen the film, the film wanted yet. to make this point about beauty. Is this not a spoiler? Isn't Helen Mirren in the movie? Yeah. She's the narrator. She's the narrator. Yeah. Oh, well, for Can I say quickly my favourite part, and this is not a spoiler at all, but it's just really funny in the context of this panel as well because two people will know what I'm talking about. There's this really funny joke. I'm not going to say exactly what the joke is, but, again, this was one where all the women in the cinema were, like, laughing and clapping at this when there was a joke about being forced to watch The Godfather. Rob McKnight has literally sat me down and forced me to watch The Godfather and told me about all these things about that movie and I was just dying when that happened. Oh my god, Everyone. that's true. No, I found that funny. Oh. And can I just say I'm Go. Rob Nuff. You're what? I'm Rob Nuff. Oh my god. Jesus. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> Rob, what have you been watching? Um, well, actually, I uh, a couple of things. I'm going to do uh, a little bit of show and tell again. I've got the aggro album here for all the Great. viewers. Just having where's camera two? Camera two is going to get. Surprised you're not that. eating the aggro ice cream. Yeah, uh, it's flaring oh. on camera two, Robo. Oh, I'm going to put it over here. Yeah, yeah, it's camera three. I know what I'm doing. You fuckers. Um, uh, you know what? The aggro ice cream was actually the Bubble O Bill reimagined, and yes. so they changed it for a while. Anyway, and anyway, yeah, in three, two. I watched the roast of Alec Baldwin uh, on your Paramount Plus. Actually, really quite good. What I never understand about roasts uh, is this. There are lots of people who you know have never worked with the, uh, you know, person of the hour. Yeah, which I, find I quite, don't get that. I find it quite weird. The other thing as well, and um, Peter Ford has always said this, and I've heard him say this, is that most who? things are a half an hour too long. And this is half an hour too long. Never so, heard of it like this podcast. <laughs> well, once you cut out your bits, but yeah. Um, but th- that's the thing. It's always a half an hour too long. So I was surprised as I was watching it going, this is getting a bit long on the tooth. It went for an hour and a half. Oh, yeah, and there are people much. on there who we know have no connection to it. So then I did a little bit of a deep dive into to the roasts. And it happens all the time. Yeah. Like, well, why do we That's care? That's the Comedy Central roast format, though, Robbo. And this is well, I, to quickly I jump in on I you. Think it's, I think it's stupid. But this is the challenge of why I'm going to say the Paul Hogan roast didn't work and why oh, the John Cleese roast that, right? that's coming yeah, yeah, yeah. will also not work. Yeah, it is yeah, yeah. not our culture to do yeah. this American-style roast, and that's exactly what they're trying but, to replicate. Uh, and it's yeah, not yeah. a thing. I would challenge you on that, Mock, for a little bit. We are really great at taking the piss out of other people, especially yep, out of yep. people who but understand that's not roasting. what's called taking piss. Yeah, but roasting but is about possible. absolutely tearing them down and, and making fun of every... Too much, like, you reckon? You reckon? Yeah, right, right, right. Like, it's, it's, it's meant to be offensive. Remember when Channel 9 did it with Brian Henderson, Mark, to back up your point? No, no, I Brian Walsh. Oh, my God, why are we talking about Brian talking. Walsh again? When... <laughs> Brian Henderson, Logie's Hall of Fame. He's breaking uh, me, Robert. <laughs> I give up. No, go on. That's it's a gag for you. Cut it out. Here we go. Three, two, um, one. Daddy wants to talk. 
<laughs> no, I was just saying, the Brian Henderson roast that Channel yes. 9 did confused me when mm-hmm. I was younger because you had this serious newsman yes. that they were taking the piss out of mm-hmm. and telling stories that did not match his brand. Sure. And, and it was by his mate, so it was personal. Yep. But I remember thinking, this doesn't sit right with me. The, mm. Just, you, oh. you know, this icon of news being ridiculed like this. Can I offer not one person, not one person on the roast of John Cleese has worked with him? So that's but that's my that's point. Bizarre. Like it's 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 weird. It's it's a shame which, which, Jacobson vehicle the... that he's trying to get up. It's just outrageous. I think yeah. it's a bad idea that we roast anybody down here. Well, to bring him back, it must have done all right. Mm, no, the hoax roast actually didn't. This is the network that bought us million dollar edited. islands. We cannot say that they know what they're doing. They they commissioned million dollar islands. It's rubbish. People need to stop giving Shane Jacobson money. That's the end of it, quite frankly. Mm. Hey, I've been watching the new series of Good Omens, Good Omens 2, which is coming soon to Amazon Prime Video. Oh, my God. Does anyone here watch, has anyone here watched Good Omens, the first series? My family has. I have not. It is so good. I really love it. Season huh? two is just magnificent and well-crafted. It's coming to Amazon Prime Video Soon. Either ne- at the next end week. of this month or early next month. I next think. week. Next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well worth a watch. It's fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. And I am still addicted to Gogglebox UK. I it's, cannot it's get enough of this. It's the best version. It's the so, best version. It's the original I version, Robert. It's amazing, um, but it's, a, it's the best. So Binge has only from season 15 onwards. So I've gone back to season, totally. season 15 and it's as COVID hit coronavirus then, if you want to use the terminology mm. of the time. but you're Coronavirus! Still, um, what? What's wrong with saying what? that? What? No, no, no. They, 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 I'm distracting everyone. Play on. What? No, no. What's this? What? what? No one called it COVID back then, Robbo. Except yeah, for Cardi B. Except for Cardi B who freaked out. Coronavirus, where now we refer to it as COVID. You know what? I, I can only ever hear this. When I hear that word, I hear your daughter... Yeah. The youngest go coronavirus. That's all yeah. I can hear. Really, I don't even remember her doing that. She used to do it all the time. Yeah. That's all she would because coronavirus. And no, she got coronavirus. It's getting real. Coronavirus. Robert, it's getting Get away real. From, yeah, Gen- yeah, Genevieve. Weird how you knew who we were talking about. You said my youngest. That sort of narrowed it down. That's the only <laughs> name that Rob can remember of his, his children. <laughs> All right, well, they're my two picks. Anyway, Malt, go for your life. <laughs> Thanks so much. I've got seven. No, 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 no don't um, say that. But the first two that I'd like to talk about... Robbo? It's all right, Mark. Robbo, we cut his mic off for two, so just yeah, let him do it. Robbo, should two. you be in the Logies Hall of Fame? Yes. Before Brian Walsh, I should be. Okay, the great. The views expressed by Robbo do not necessarily reflect <laughs> the, those of TV Blackbox or any other person in the TV industry. Well, Thanks, Rob. The uh, two shows that I want to talk about this week, uh, the first one is on Prime Video. It's an animated series uh, from a number of writers, but including Robert Kirkman, the man who created uh, The Walking Dead. This is a series called Invincible, and it's based on the graphic novel comics of the same name. It is the phenomenal tale of a young man who comes into his superpowers in a world where there are superheroes. Um, But for the longest time, his father, who is a famous superhero called Omni-Man, was wondering whether or not his son would get his powers. Spoilers, not really. He does. But it's their relationship and how it's just being a normal human and, and trying to be a superhero and all those things play together in a world where there's just all of these superhero characters that you've probably never heard of unless you've read the, the, the comics. It's fucking brilliant. It is so, so good. And a real humanity written into the characters. The second season is coming later this year. Sounds great. Um, it's absolutely... I smashed it. A friend of mine put me onto it. And I just could not stop watching it. They're hour-long episodes, too. A great voice cast. Um, you will absolutely want to get involved in Invincible. And there are some great little sort of just episode-to-episode tags, just stuff that picks up and carries through um, that you'll 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 appreciate, I would say. So that's Invincible. Season 1, Season 2 coming later this year on Amazon Prime Video. The second show I want to talk about is the second season of The Bear, which has landed finally in Australia on Disney+. Plus. 
uh, about almost a month after it aired in the US. And my why understanding, delay? why did they delay it? Because it's an FX product and FX gave a limited uh. um, broadcast. It's not straight Hulu. It's not straight Disney Plus. It's an FX product that has landed on Disney Plus. And for fans of the first season have probably already smashed it or are almost done smashing it. Again, it has just delivered some of the finest drama I have seen on TV in the last couple of years. Like it is compelling viewing. Br- Sorry? I've heard good things. Yeah, brilliant writing, really, really great acting. Uh, again, there is a standout episode. Many have said that it's episode six. I agree, it's a pretty big one. Some great cameos that I won't surprise you with because they're pretty phenomenal. Uh, but I reckon episode nine is actually the standout episode of the 10 in season two. Most of them are about 30 to 35 minutes. Um, episode six is an hour, so but, you know, get ready for that, friends. It's so good. The bear... The whole premise of this chef coming into what has been a family-run sandwich shop in Chicago and, you know, transforming it and try he's a Michelin star chef stepping into this this you know sub, you know, smoked meat sandwich shop. It's incredible. Such a great series. The Bear, right now on Disney Plus, all ten episodes of season two are there for you to just absorb into your being and enjoy. Now, Kevin, I saw on our like kind of inter TV black box. He said it was one of the most exquisite TV shows he's ever seen. Mock. Mm. Yeah, no, Kevin. Kevin was rating it, and and I know that he managed to, uh, I mean, somehow hypothetically access it in America before it landed here in Australia. And good on him. Um, but it's here is that in on the network? Now, so What's the network? It's, so we've got NBC, we've got CBS, we've got VPN. Is it the VPN network? Is that what I, you're talking about? Apparently, <laughs> I think it's the unofficial okay, okay, fifth network in America. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, look, the bear. I, I, Honestly, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are the people who have seen the bear and love it and those that just haven't seen it yet. It's that good. I've seen a, I've seen a few bears in my time and I'm still not interested. Thanks. Ryan. And on that note, we bring you to the end of TV Black Box for another week. Don't forget, Mulk will be on the red carpet on Sunday night. So make sure Sunday afternoon from around 3 or 4 o'clock, 3 keep an Rob. eye on TV Black Box because we will be uploading clips as he talks and chats with the stars and brings you his comedy stylings from 1980. Whoa, so- whoa, whoa, comedy stylings. No <laughs> promises there. There are no promises of comedy, only good questions. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we will be the judge of that. So make sure, tvblackbox.com.au. It's where people in the industry get their news. I am Rob McKnight. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Mog. Thank you, Robbo. Thank you, Abby Mickelson, who wrote and produced this episode. We will see you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.